Hello and welcome to the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. This is our weekly Ad Talk edition. My name is Gorsha Hucho and I'm joined by Alex McNamara. Alex, good morning. Good morning. What a, what a change in process. We are recording and it's light outside. I have, instead of conversation juice, I have jitter juice. Jitter juice. Uh, ground bean water. Juice. Or, yeah, as we used to say, ground warm ground bean water. You also have raccoons running outside your house. I had a raccoon. Uh, I'm on the second floor of European houses, uh, of, of American ha- yeah, American houses. I'm on the first floor of a European house. And I looked at the window, a big fat raccoon ran down the pavement. Um, so I ran to the window and then saw it start to run up our front steps. So I may have a, a raccoon infestation downstairs. Hopefully my wife is fine uh, fending off the raccoon with a broom. I love that you're committed to this show and that raccoon infestations are not deterring you from continuing this episode. Thank you. Thank you for your service. 100% committed uh, with, with, with zero time uh, uh, prep needed. 100%. I'm in. <laughs> so uh, listen, normally we talk about or we started the show uh, with ads that we have thoughts about. I think on this one, yeah. we just have uh, thoughts on brands we have thoughts about because uh, there's been, uh, well, one piece of news that you'll cover uh, on, on one brand, and then I want to share yeah. a personal experience uh, that I think reflects um, on another brand pretty poorly. So why don't you start with yours? I want to hear what's been happening in the world of fitness. Yes. So Peloton, our beloved uh, expensive uh, home gym equipment. They announced that they have employed McKinsey to relook at their cost structure uh, due to a huge drop in demand. Um, you know, as as most people were aware, if they didn't buy one, they were very much aware that Peloton was a massive thing uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, you know, in line with Tiger King, uh, ordering a Peloton was the next on the list right before uh, trying to make your own sourdough starter. This is in season one of the pandemic. And, <laughs> and uh, what's happened just you know, recently is it, they overestimated their, um, their sales this year. Where, and what, we, what I was really interested in this is less about the, the fact that the, they overestimated sales, which I think most normal people would have, would have said, you've sold everything that you could have sold in the, in the last two years, and then you brought up all of your future sales into a very condensed time frame, and had massive issues, which no one would have uh, thought of um, pre-pandemic of trying to actually get the, the equipment out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got, they've got a massive problem. And I think what I, I, I was think, trying to think through this is like, how like what what less from like just recycling the news but you know what what does this mean and and how did they get to this point and it feels like as we discuss in our in our pre-chat notes they've got to a market saturation or they've they've reached their total addressable market which um i think any basically anyone who can afford to spend two and a half thousand dollars for a a bike or four thousand dollars on a on a treadmill four thousand dollars on a treadmill are you in and then so anyway so we'll get to the the other bits the but like there's only there's only so many people who can afford that in a time when people are losing their jobs 
and it's the fortunate people who can work from home who you know earn decent salaries who can afford that outlay in addition to the uh what is it five hundred dollars a year for the content so i think you know it's it's a really interesting problem that they have which is from a from a product marketing standpoint you can see that they're trying to upsell people that own equipment to buy the other piece of equipment so if you own a bike they're trying to get you to buy a tread i think we may have touched on this um when the ceo sent out that email which was um it people who own both things exercise more um which i thought was a really bizarre way uh to 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 thinly veil please buy more of our stuff but it seems to be that they were very much losing money and that was a CEO's attempt to get anyone who is on the mailing list to buy another $4,000 or $2,500 yeah, bike. Yeah, they, did they didn't hide that very well. So there are, there are two things I'd love your thoughts on. Is like, what, like, if you were either you know, CMO or product marketing over there, mm. like, what are your thoughts on how do you... Um, maintain a existing base and grow that with selling products and like is that is that a is that realistic in terms of your growth strategy um how do you get people who you know are not the priority of like your target audience Mm -hmm. how do you expand your audience out to um to try and get people to buy these who previously you know over the last two years had not thought about or had thought about buying but hadn't committed the the dollars down and then a third thing is the subscription service you can get in you know separate to the the actual equipment so if you had a a, a bike or you know you have like you could run outside they have these and they have like you know uh weight training cardio training uh yoga yep. meditation does that appeal to people who don't have the equipment and could they do a better job of positioning that as a standalone solo product that isn't connected to the bike or the tread? I mean, it's a lot to unpack. Um, I think I, think I asked three deep questions in three, one go. Three so. deep questions. I, let's, first of all, I guess maybe start from with the first one. And I just want to, I, I have some numbers here. I think it's just three numbers. Um, Hit me with your facts. Let's do, just, just, just to show the rate of growth and then the ambition that Peloton has. So in 2018, uh, they had counted about half a million connected devices, 2018. So 511,000 connected devices, all of them were probably bikes. By 2021, so last year, summer, they had 2.3 million. So that just shows you the sort of like the hockey stick kind of curve on that growth, the majority of which probably happened, as you said, in in season one of the pandemic. Um, And they probably could have achieved more if they had um, production capacity. Yeah. Their ambition is to go from 2.3 to 15 million globally consumers who are um, in in a time frame. Is there a time frame on that? There, or uh, in general, there is a time frame uh, that um, you know. I don't actually know the, what the time frame is, but I think uh, what they've quoted is um, their total opportunity to reach roughly 15 million households globally and sell 20 million million units of. Um, wow. Of, of their equipment. So that's what that's they see 10x. as their addressable market. Wow. 
right? So from 2.3 to 20 million, um, so it's a 10x increase. So they are probably sitting there thinking like, without changing much, we can sell to 20 million more people. Um, but I think that your question is very is very much the right question, you know, which is if you've saturated the market, it seems like that's what's happening, at least in where they have a presence with the equipment that you do have. Um, how do you like how do you keep people? How do you keep bringing more people in? Like, what can you offer? And I actually wonder, like, what is their main metric that they look at? You know, is it units sold or is it like minutes that people engage with them? Right. Because. I, I would imagine if you are a Peloton product marketer or a marketer, even just a pure marketer, you very much are concerned about looking at the minutes people spend a week or a month within their subscription, actually, in, you know, taking advantage of it, because that's probably one of the big red flags. If 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 you have stopped um, using your Peloton bike and you're paying 39 bucks a month, at some point you'll be like, well, maybe I should just stop paying this $39 a month, right? Yeah. And that to them has to be the big worry. So I would imagine that some sort of a usage metric is a, is, is a very important North Star for them. And if that's the case, I think that they need to really think about how do you get people to engage with Peloton, like app and content outside of the bike and tread ecosystems. And even, even outside of maybe the kind of the exercises themselves that you can do through the app. So I don't know. Is that um, that you start becoming more of a content company and you start having like you start flexing more into kind of like the column space or the headspace kind of um, direction where people can take breaks with you and like maybe meditate? Is it where you get into like podcasts and people can be driving and like listening to exclusive podcasts from Peloton? But I feel like I feel like they're a content company, really. Like they're yeah. like the the bikes and the treads are a technology. Like they're a vehicle to deliver content. But the thing you're really paying for is the you know the rah rah like you know activate your hustle. Uh, you know, <laughs> let's uh, connect with our inner self, and at the same yeah. time just spin a lot of wheels. They're they're a motivational content company, and if that's how they're viewing themselves, they can probably start monetizing the attention of their customers rather than trying to sell me an additional product. And I think what they've been doing wrong is trying to go into like this e-commerce space and like shoving merchandise my way that's branded with Peloton logos that no one wants. I don't think they're a status symbol like that. I think they're more of the thing I just mentioned, which is, you know, it's a content, it's a content play. So that's my view. My view is if you want to reach more consumers, have a freemium model where you get some new people in like Spotify does with, with the freebies and get prove enough value so they start paying some amount of money for the content that you're producing. And maybe at some point they will buy a bike or, or a tread or, you know, some other fitness device from you. So similar way to Amazon Prime where is, I think I read somewhere that the whole point of Prime Video was to get people to subscribe to Amazon Prime as a gate to then shopping on Amazon. And the there's no, that was like, a way to get people in so like once you're paying a hundred bucks plus a year to watch you know the latest amazon prime movies and shows on originals or whatever they've got then you're like well I, i've got this premium i might as well use it to get free shipping and you know of course quick delivery so for them like that is that's the that's what they're thinking so if if Pal- i mean i think and I, and because i have peloton I, I wonder if i'm on a suppression list that i'm not being upsold anything from a 
you know, they shouldn't be showing me the app install ads or content ads. But I wonder if they are running, you know, the app ads and the content ads to get people in to pay that money for just a subscription for the workouts you can do without the bike. And I wonder how much the profit they make on each bike sold and each tread sold. Because if it's high high margins, then I imagine that's where they were focusing on like the one and done equipment sale um, and less on the subscription because it, it's and and then but if they're if if they're making a ton of money on the subscribers that they've got because you can subscribe more people than you can um, that then you need to sell equipment to then you have that like you know as as everyone is doing now with streaming is you have this like infinite um, infinite ability to get people to pay forty dollars a month uh, to you know meditate do cardio do weights that doesn't involve the bike and then upsell the bike once they are once you know once they like Alex Tucson and Cody Rigsby and all of the other peloton famous well that's that's I mean that to me is one of the that's the bikes and the treads are I think in in a digital economy they're like hardware is hard and like I think hardware for them is sort of um what they're known for and like maybe that's the that should be the aspirational purchase for the next threshold yeah. of consumers but they really cultivated the, these instructors into stars right like yeah, within really the have. peloton community and even outside of it um some of these uh, some of these folks are really well known so how do you start leveraging this celebrity you know brands want want to work with them they're starting to kind of spin out their own um lines of businesses um i think peloton is underutilizing the potential that they have with content and with their celebrity like built-in you know fitness celebrity power and um, I think they can do a lot more. I mean, to, from music, which they're heavily involved in, because every every you know exercise you do on a Peloton is set to a music, including you know the live DJs that they have, to their instructors, to all of the health adjacent types of things. Peloton, I feel like, should be creating an ecosystem thoughtfully. Like, I don't think they should flex into like recipes, but maybe they can flex into shows where you know you're cooking with Jess King. I don't know you know, one of yeah. their instructors, like there will be people who will follow, follow them into that. So uh, they have a lot of potential here, I think, with their sort of soft IP uh, without having to get people to buy the actual Peloton equipment. And they're just not doing a great job of activating that. Um, what I do see is that they stress out when I, when we stop exercising because you start getting emails from them being like, <laughs> hey, get back into the action, you know? Yep. And then eventually you'll get one from a video from one of the instructors you ride with a lot, which I think is actually a pretty good use of the data collection. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Get back on the bike. And it feels like quite a personalized approach. But it's like, it's that's if you're like, you haven't ridden in like two months. Not that I've ever had this. I have. Um, I have. I've, you I've have a, you have a collection of, of personal videos? I have, I have a collection of, of <laughs> Cody Rigsby trying to get me back on board to the bike. This is market research, um, purely market research you're doing. So purely, that's... purely market research. Um, so I have to write under a different alias in order to, uh, to, to get that, to get those emails. Uh -huh. um, but I think they could do actually do a better job of that. Um, so yeah, if, if Peloton wants to give us a call, uh, we'll gladly um, share some more advice with them. Absolutely. Uh, not for free. The, not for free. Actually, you touched on um, Amazon Prime, and this gets me into the second 
uh, brand rant um, of the of the show. So you pay for Prime, um, you sort of get brought into this ecosystem, and then you're subconsciously or very consciously are going to choose uh, to make a purchase with Amazon rather than with a competitor because you're like, well, I'm already paying for this thing and I want to, you know, I want to get the benefit of, of my membership. Other brands are trying to imitate this. Obviously, they, they see the potential of locking someone into this kind of year-long, multi-year-long relationships. Um, and I had an experience just now with Best Buy. Um, so we're in the market to buy a new dishwasher. Um, and we went to several stores and we ultimately decided to buy from Best Buy. And um, they have this new thing. It's a subscription. It's a membership thing for a year called uh, Best Buy Total Tech. And what this is, is um, it offers you basically a quote unquote white glove concierge service, um, including free installation of appliances, free call away, um, a dedicated like number to call and have all your problems resolved and like an extended warranty. So if anything you buy goes from one year to like two years. Um, it made sense to buy it because installation of a dishwasher was going to only be about $10 less than buying this membership for a year. And then all these additional things like on their own, like on its own, I wouldn't have just gone to Best Buy and bought a Total Tech membership. But clearly what they're trying to get you to do is buy this thing. And then your next piece of equipment that you buy will also be from Best Buy because like, well, I have this membership now, right? Yep. It only works, though, if it's a good experience. And man, has it not been a good experience at all. So let me just walk you through my customer journey with Best Buy. Um, and then you'll see. You'll, Sounds you'll like see. it's going to be not a good, not a good walk. Not, not a good walk. Not a good walk. So we came to a Best Buy store um, last weekend, um, saw the dishwasher that we wanted, talked to a very knowledgeable associate um, who said that you guys can buy it through me, you can buy it on our website doesn't really matter. We'll schedule the appointment. The person will come, they'll install your thing. If you buy this total tech thing, there are all, all these benefits. I thought, all right, like right, let's buy it online. Um, an adjacent uh, reason to that was I can actually buy it through a co-branded American Airlines shopping portal and get miles mm. for this, which in the new world of American Airlines counts for a lot more than just miles because it counts towards my status for next year. So very important. Um, very important. Travel. Very important. So bought it through there. Um, the Best Buy app. I was doing it right in the store. The Best Buy app lets me um, schedule the delivery, schedule the installation. Everything was confirmed. I, I picked the date that they had available. Done. A couple of days go by, and the dishwasher was supposed to be installed yesterday. Was supposed to be installed yesterday. Hmm. A couple of days go by, and I start getting phone calls from Best Buy, and they're automated calls and when you pick up the phone, they it's uh, they say to reschedule your appointment. They say, "Hi, this is Best Buy. To reschedule your appointment, please call one eight hundred Best Buy." And then they hang up. And I'm like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want to reschedule my appointment. I'm happy with the date that I have. Also, why are they asking me to? Like, they're calling me to tell me to call them. Like that 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 just doesn't make sense, right? No. So I was like, I'm I'm." I check, I check on the website. It still says, you know, Friday, I'm going to get my dishwasher installed. Completely fine. Friday arrives and I start getting a sense that I'm not going to get my dishwasher installed because hours <laughs> yes. go by and I have usually they call you in advance and they're like, hey, we're going to be here between the hours of 7 a.m. and midnight. So make sure you're home and and not, not, no such call happens. So I, I'm like, I'm going to call Best Buy. I'm a total tech member. 
be 300 bucks for this thing. Hey. You know, I called them, the machine greets me and they're like, oh, you're a Total Tech member, white glove concierge service coming your way. And um, <laughs> then uh, I'm just walking you through just to, just to illustrate how, how badly integrated this whole system is at, at, at a large retailer like Best Buy. Because we keep talking about how e-commerce is like, it's, it's the new normal and everyone is trying to imitate Amazon and make it frictionless. And here's a huge yeah. Fortune 500 company and they just can't get their shit together. I get transferred multiple times finally to some uh, Total Tech member where they ask me to confirm my name, my last name, my phone number, even though they've already the machine already recognized me uh, through my phone number. And then yep. I, t I tell them my issue and they're like, give me your order number. I'm like, you can't wait, you can't bring up my, I only have one order with you. You can't look up my order number based <laughs> on all the information I just shared with you. And she literally says to me, no, we can't. It'll be a lot what? faster if you give me your order number. So I have to go into the app, find the order number, give it to her. Jeez, um, come and, on. and then she says, oh yeah, we're gonna have to reschedule this. I'm like, but why? And she's like, I don't know. We have them what? in stock. She goes, we have them in stock. I'm like, so why again? Like, why do we need to reschedule anything? She's like, I don't know, sir, but we need to reschedule this. Okay, before I blow my shit, what is the first date? <laughs> what is the next available date to reschedule it for? My heart's already kind of sinking because I'm imagining we're talking quite far out in the line. She's like, February 1st. Like, that's not going to work. I bought this thing. Your website said, you know, this Friday, and now you're telling me a week and a half from now, and you can't even give me a solid reason for why this that's, is happening. And she's like, no. Bad. So I told her, this is not going to work. Can you please fix this? And she's like, I can't. You will have to call Best Buy and talk to the store manager. And I said, why? I bought this online. There's store manager wasn't involved. And she's like, only the store manager can do this. What? Wh so which I, store manager then? Exactly. Which store? Of, of, what, which store is going to take responsibility for my online purchase? <laughs> and I said, wait, I bought this Total Tech thing, which you guys advertise as white glove concierge service. I don't think any concierge in any of my experience ever told me to go and do the thing myself, ever. <laughs> you don't go to like the Waldorf Astoria concierge and be like, sir, I, I, hi, I'd like to make a reservation at a nice restaurant, at, at your restaurant, in your in your hotel. Well, sir, you'll have to walk your, yourself over to that restaurant and make that reservation then. <laughs> you're the concierge. Like that, right? Like here, concierge here, assumes the, here like- is, Here is the directions to the, to the yeah. restaurant over there. Oh, so, man. So I was banging my head against against the the wall of of, of Best Buy customer service. Um, obviously, you know she's reading her script and she can't take responsibility for you know how they set the whole thing up. But the whole experience just sucks. Honestly, Best Buy, get your shit together. Your e-commerce platform is not talking to your delivery system. You're completely mismanaging people's expectations. But most importantly, you're selling a a service and a promise, a brand promise. That yeah. if I pay 300 bucks, three times more than what Amazon charges for Prime a year, that I'm going to get this amazing experience, which is not amazing at all. It's a turd. It's, it, it, it sucks. It's horrible. Like, and, you know, you didn't, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you today. Have they, have they solved the problem? No. They promised me that the, a manager from a local Best Buy store is going to give me a callback within one of two, two hours of our conversation, which happened at noon yesterday. Have I gotten a callback? Wow. No. They are so, breaking all the brand promises here. The brand promises uh, are very, very hard to build and very easy to break. Yeah. And right now, the experience with Best Buy is that it's um, it's incapable on delivering on just about every kind of core pillar of promise. They've taken my money already and they have not delivered either an experience 
or my product that I paid for. So what gives? I mean, it, I mean, it sounds it sounds terrible. I, I there are the two things that I'm worried about. One is like, what is the experience if you didn't have Total Tech? And two is is the the flip side is that is is Total Tech even a thing? Because it sounds like you had the experience of just like Joe Schmo uh, who doesn't have Total Tech. John, no to- no Total Tech. Yeah, I think I think what they're doing is they're selling vapor service. I mean. I, I feel like at the very least you should have a faster interaction with them, fewer hurdles to confirm your identity uh, and be able to get an answer as to why you're being rescheduled. Especially if you're like, I mean, even like with Southwest, when I was uh, flying Southwest a lot, I got to their whatever their elite thing is, which basically means I'm the first of the castle to get onto the plane. But it meant that I was, I got a real person pick up the phone within a minute of me calling them, which I was like, sure, that's never going to happen. Then a whole bunch of flights got canceled and rescheduled. And I was like, I need to, I ain't going to leverage this. I called them within a minute. I had someone on the phone changing my flight for free to a different flight so I can get in at roughly the same time into the Bay Area. So, you know, SFO, San Jose, and and Oakland. And I was blown away with how fast and how easy that experience was with Southwest, which is, you know, a cheaper airline with not known for having the frills. But I was shocked with how good it was. And I was like, this is amazing. And it sounds like you've had the exact opposite of experience of that, which is we're going to charge you loads of money and we're actually not going to do a very good job of figuring figuring stuff out. Do you remember um, in one of our earliest episodes, we uh, talked to uh, Ty Givens, who runs a customer yeah. service consultancy, and we talked about, yeah. we asked her a question, do you think that customer service should sit within marketing? And she said, yes. You know, yeah. A customer service expert said, yes, I do. Why? Because then you can control that experience from pitching someone something to making sure that that promises fulfilled when something goes wrong through the customer service end. Yeah. I think this is a clear, clear, clear example of why that should be the setup. Because yeah. clearly here, customer service is doing the undoing the work that marketing has done to convince me to buy into a yeah. product. I bet their orgs are customer service goes into operations, which goes into COO, into CEO, and marketing goes into sales, into CMO, and into CEO, and I bet those orgs do not talk at, at all, all, ever, ever. And I think the only way, if they were going to talk, it would be through marketing automation platforms where you have a CS tool, Salesforce integrated into a CDP type product, which is you know customer data portal. And that basically says, this person had a bad experience, don't send them marketing uh, messages for a week. And I think that would be the only connection that CS and marketing have in, in big orgs like that, which it, I, feel, I feel for you. I don't have a dishwasher, so I understand the pain of having to do your own dishes. Uh, at one point, my sink looked like I was still working at my old company where no one did the dishes at all. And I was chief dishwasher <laughs> officer. Uh, officer, which CDO. became a joke. And as a very quick side side note, I did a, a I did some A B testing. I was like, all right, if I do the dishes, do they keep piling up? And then I was like, well, if I don't do the dishes, what happens then? And what happened was no one did anything, and we just didn't have none, none of the cups got washed ever. 
and it was out, astounding how bad people were at actually putting things in the dishwasher or in the dishwasher. Anyway, that's not a woe. That's, that, that's, that's a trauma you will never, never. I will down. never forget because yeah. I was quite annoyed with my colleagues at how bad they were. Not just my colleagues, like the, it was a larger multi agency office all under the same umbrella company. Uh, and I was mad about it because I sat next to the kitchen and I, all I saw was people putting stuff in the sink and then leaving it there. Anyway, anyway, back to Best Buy. Uh, I feel like they, they, I, you know what, to be honest, I don't even know what you could do as a, a not working there to make this better because you will send an email in and they'll be like, this is a really bad experience. We'll definitely sort this out and we'll, we'll run it up the chain. And then they'll be like, a ticket in Jira somewhere, which someone might get to, and they'd be like, "Ah, you know what? This seems like a lot of effort. That's just, that's just not." I, I, a lot of things here are broken, but clearly the at the like senior most executive level, you're you're completely right. Like the alignment of priorities is uh, very different between marketing and, and, and product, the retail yeah. operations and customer service. They, you know, here it felt like one was being run by a cost control freak and the, you know, ultimately that's the experience I got, which is a very disinterested, disincentivized customer service rep who is not empowered to help. Just, yeah, basically they're not giving to me, help. giving me, giving me the runaround. Um, we've spent 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking about <laughs> this, 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 this problem. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who is fuming, um, at, no. At, at Best Buy, so really, really, really bad job on Best Buy's part. I, I bet that if you figured out who the COO was, the operations, or whoever owned this product within Best Buy, and you sent them an email or a LinkedIn message and said, you should know about this because I don't know how else it's gonna get to you, and they would be appalled at the experience and they would actually want to try and fix it. I don't believe anyone at, at Best Buy does not give a shit about this uh but i and i really do believe that this level of information does not go up the chain because people who are empowered to share this information will not share it because it looks bad on them because it's a negative experience someone has and it's protecting themselves or protecting a group that you know and they're basically protecting kpis and metrics would say how many people had good and bad experiences with this and I feel like if you did tell someone, they would fix it. But you well, need to have a direct line to the chief operating officer or the head of Total Tech in order to fix it. Well, I think that's going to be the interesting thing. Will I be able to, I'm going to try the customer service route and kind of go the usual escalation route. And I think in parallel, I'm going to do this, what you just said, and, and see if, uh, if I'm able to close the loop there. Um, and, and I'll report back uh, on the next show and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, you're right. I think that at the very top, people care and they will want to make this right. Are they seeing this dysfunction? You know, did they rush this um, product or service to market without, you know, testing their systems and processes and training people appropriately? Yeah, it feels, it feels like that. So they should know and they should take responsibility for it. Um, they should also refund me my total tech membership just because they I should like. Yeah, um, they should let you keep it for a year and refund you. Yeah, money. correct. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think I think we've reached uh, the logical conclusion for this show. Um, yeah. So I will report back on what happens with Best Buy. Um, again, um, dear Peloton, dear Best Buy, um, Alex and Gorsh are here to offer you advice and consulting services. Um, yeah. 
and AG uh, Consulting. Yeah. So uh, please, please reach out to us. Otherwise, um, uh, follow us on our Instagram at 30 Minute CMO and uh, listen to more episodes as, as we'll be dropping them soon. Yeah, subscribe so you subscribe. can get notified when we drop more knowledge bombs. Good seeing you, sir. Have a great rest Thank of the week. You.